Good morning, church family. My name is PJ Ryan. I serve here as one of the elders at Calvary Bible Church. Um, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm reading today out of uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 18, through the end of the chapter into chapter 4, verse 1. I'm reading from the NASB 1995. Follow along. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. Well, good morning again, friends. Cool. Thank you. Um, I would encourage you to stay there in Colossians chapter 3. We've been kind of working our way slowly, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Colossians. We will probably finish at the end of May, so here in a few weeks. And uh, just kind of quickly, uh, the mission of Calvary Bible Church is to guide all people to become biblical followers of Christ through intentional relationships. If you're new here, if you have any questions about our church, you can feel free to see me after the service today. I'll be up front uh, in hiding maybe after today's sermon, but... It is what it is. Um, but today we'll unpack uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 4-1. I don't know who put that chapter break there, but it was a bad one. I'll just say it that way. Paul did not do the chapter breaks, by the way. Those aren't inspired of God. Anyways, uh, but today I wanted to talk to you about living the new life at home. Living the new life in your homes. What is the question? That comes to your mind when I say living the new life, living the new nature, living the redeemed life in Christ Jesus in our individual homes. The question I had was introduced to me at Starbucks this week. I gave money to the evil empire this, this week. Um, I, was, uh, I was sitting there in Starbucks at Governor's Drive, and some guy walks into Starbucks and he looks like a duck hit on the head, okay? He's just doing one of these numbers, looking all around, and it's only Starbucks. I don't know what he was confused about. But, uh, and I asked him, hey, man, are you okay? He says, yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And at that moment, a light bulb went off. I think that's a question we ask ourselves every single day. What am I supposed to do? This is the question we ask. When we go to Chick-fil-A, and the line is out the parking lot. The question you ask yourself is what? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit in this chaos or do I need to go to a different fast food service? When you go to the grocery store, you ask, what am I supposed to do? Do I buy the off brand or do I buy the name brand? You know, your first day of work, you sit there and you ask the question, what am I supposed to do? But there's a place that we ask this question all the time that's far more important than uh, chicken nuggets and french fries at Chick-fil-A. We ask this question every single day in each of our homes. As a parent of young children, three little girls, 
what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to punish my child or am I supposed to let it go? Attracting with me? As a husband, what am I supposed to do? Right? We ask this question at work. When I manage people, when I have an, a, a ridiculous, controlling, obnoxious boss, what am I supposed to do? This is the question that we ask every single day. But it gets a little bit more complicated for Christians. Because as Christians, how do we lead our children well? How do we love our wives well? As a Christian at work, how do I shine in the midst of the darkness? What am I supposed to do? Well, that's the question that Paul really answers in our text today. He answers this exact question in chapter 3, verses 18 through 4-1. As a new creation, as somebody who has been raised with Christ Jesus, 3-1. As somebody who has been holy and blameless and beyond reproach, somebody who is a new self, as a new creation, as a new self, how am I supposed to, what am I supposed to do in my home with all of my key relationships? So Paul today, in Colossians chapter 3, 18 through 4-1, Paul addresses six different groups of people. He addresses wives, husbands, fathers, children, bosses, and then employees. And then at the end of chapter 3, he addresses everyone as a whole. What am I supposed to do? So today, if you have your text, go to chapter 3, verse 18. And if you have your text, what's interesting about this particular section is that it's just kind of a list of commands. He has the person he addresses, and then he has the command, and then he has the reason. We would say the person of address, he has the imperative, and then he has the indicative. He has the command, and then the reason for his command, all in one verse. So he spends one verse per person addressing them and answering this question. Now, before I get into this discussion, I do have a question for all of us here today. Um, my question is, do we want to hear the truth, or do we want to hear only what we want to hear? Um, this passage, in some regards, has some culturally difficult things to say. And let's just be honest. Our culture is afraid to be honest. We are terrified, <laughs> okay, I mean, how many of you like to go on Facebook and just post something controversial? I mean, you're going to get blasted by our culture at large. We are a little bit nervous about being honest about life, but just think about life in and of itself. Without honesty, how can we ever come to Christ? In order to come to Christ, what must we wrestle with? The truth that we are sinful and broken human beings, Amen. That without honesty, how can we ever know how to love our families well? Without honesty, how can you have a healthy marriage? How can you have, how can you be a good parent without your child every once in a while telling you something, right? We all need to be honest about life. And that's what Paul is today. Paul doesn't know about America in the first century. He doesn't know about our cultural rules that he, that we play by. He is just Honest in his culture and in all cultures. What we find in Colossians chapter 3, 18 through 4, and many of them are timeless principles. So I have a favor to ask before we get into this passage. Number one, I would encourage us to take down our guard. Number two, I would encourage us to receive the truth. And number three, I would encourage you not to shoot the messenger. Okay? 
Um, what should we do in our homes as new creations? Paul first talks to wives in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. And kind of the first point that I see in this passage, he talks to wives and live the new self at home. To wives, be devoted. To wives, be devoted. And if you have your note sheet, that yellow word is the first blank there. Colossians 3.18 says this. Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Well, that's not palatable. Um, Notice here, before we really get into it, you have the person of address. Paul is talking to wives, and then he has the command, and then he has the reason, right? And this is the pattern he uses all but one verse. To wives, be subject to your husband. That is the command, and then the rationale as is fitting to the Lord. But what's the question we all have? What does that even mean? What does it mean to be subject to your husband? How many, you don't have to raise your hand to this, but how many women in the room read that verse and get a little bit... Let me just share what it does not mean. Let's start there first. Let me just tell you what the wives, what the command, wives be subject to your husband, does not mean. Number one, it doesn't mean you are his slave or his property. All the women say in the room, amen. Both man and woman are created in the image of God. We are of both equal value, but we are complementary in our roles. I mean, biology itself shows that i can't have children no matter what our culture says i can't have kids right that we are equal in value but complementary in roles number two it does not mean that wives are inferior to their husbands submission or being devoted or following your husband does not imply inferiority Men and women are co-equal in value and complementary in their roles. If you don't believe me on that, go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and then Galatians 3.28. If you just think that Paul is backwards in the first century, Paul says in Galatians 3.28 that all are of equal value. Number three, what does it mean for... What does it not mean to submit to your husbands? Number three, it does not mean that your husband's leadership is absolute. Is absolute. One commentator says this, Obedience in this passage is reserved for children and servants. There, there may be times when a wife must refuse to submit to her husband's desires if they violate God's word. Number four, the husband's authority does not mean he can treat you any way he wants. The wife's submission takes place in the context of a loving relationship. So then what does it mean? So we know what it doesn't mean, but so then what does it mean? The word subject in verse 18 is the Greek word hupotasso. It has the concept of putting oneself under willingly to follow the husband as leader of the home. The command here is to be subject to your husbands. And then notice the rationale, the reason, as is fitting to the Lord. But what's interesting here is this particular phrase at the end of verse 18, I believe, has the rationale, but also gives the parameters of what it means to follow or to be devoted to your husband, as is fitting to the Lord. Why should you follow your husband? Why is the, leader in the, home? Why is the husband the leader of the home? Because it's fitting to the Lord. But I also think that that's the parameter of, this, whatever, of the command. That what is proper or fitting to the Lord. So if your husband is being an egghead, okay, if your husband is being somebody that, you know, is not obeying the scripture, then you're 
big boss with a capital B is the Lord, right? So you ultimately submit to the Lord, and then your husband is the leader of the home and should lead in a godly and a tender way. Um, you know, I, I know that this verse up here, you know, most, let me just, most preachers are, most sermons are given by men, and uh, most sermons on this particular subject die the death of a thousand qualifications, okay, as Vadi Bakken would say. Um, and some preachers say that this particular verse is uh, cultural, but I find that to be difficult because we wouldn't say verse 19 is cultural. So this seems to be kind of a timeless principle, but what I found interesting about this particular verse is that it's controversial, especially in churches today, that when people read that verse, even if they're born-again Christians, it can be very controversial. And let me just ask the question, why is this verse so controversial in churches today? The cause is not Susan B. Anthony, okay, and not feminism. It's men. Because too many women have known too many men that use this verse as a club. Are you tracking with me on that? It's just the truth. I've heard of pastors using this as a club. And those people ought to be smacked, okay? It's just not the way it is. I think one of the reasons why this particular verse is controversial is just because women as a whole have been subjected to this. Have not been, this has not been used by a husband that is loving and that is kind, but as a way of winning a fight or as a way of condemning another. Um, If this, if you're a female in the room and this causes you to bristle a little bit, then I would imagine at your core that there is some hurt caused by a fallible, egg-headed man. Um, and I would encourage you to seek the Lord in that healing process. Because whether we see it or not, whether our culture says it or not, what we see in the scripture again and again and again is that the husband is the leader of the home. That the wives should be devoted to them. And before I pick on husbands, and that's really where I'm going to camp today, because I am one, clearly. Um, but let me just give husbands a tip in the room. Uh, if you lead well, if your wife feels valued and loved, she will have your back. So to wives, be devoted. And to husbands, be loving. That's the next blank in your notes. To live the new self at home, to husbands be loving. But what does that mean? If you notice in verse 19, verse 19 is the only, only verse that addresses a specific person that does not have a command and then a reason. But instead it has two commands. Verse 19, husbands, notice the two commands here, love your wives. And all the women in the room say amen. Love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Here we see two different commands that... Husbands should love your wives. That we should be self-sacrificial in our care and our love for our wives. That we should treat them and love them as our own flesh. We should elevate them. What does it say in the scripture? How else do we love our wives? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 tells husbands exactly how we should love our wives. Verse 25. Husbands Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. How do we as husbands love our wives? We give ourselves up for them. We sacrifice for her good. 
so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Husbands also ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself. So that's how we love. We love our wives as our own self. We sacrifice for her good and not our own. So the first command is to love our wife. And the second command is a bit more practical to those who have been married in the room for some time. And do not be embittered towards her. The word in verse 19 means also to not be harsh to your wife. Let me just talk to you. You don't have to read Husbands, is it, is it easy sometimes to be harsh to your wife and not to love her properly? I think over time, it's easy for us as men to become bitter, not just at our wives, but bitter at the whole world. That we take the disappointments in our life, we take the shame that's built up in our childhood, we take all of the discouragements and disappointments in life, and we just start placing blame on other people. And we become embittered, and we become angry, and we become mad. Friends, don't do that in your homes. Love your wives. Forgive them and your children constantly continue to show them love uh, I was um, at Little Rosie's this week and they have gotten my life savings so um, I've I've been, I've been going to Little Rosie's basically since it opened, and I go there at least once a week with my children because they call it Chips and Cheese. They don't even really know the real name. Uh, I just drive on Whitesburg Drive on the way to church, like, Daddy, can we eat there for lunch? I'm like, oh, my goodness, okay. Um, but I went to lunch with Noah Fowler this week, and we were just talking about the church. And I was just talking to Noah about the elder board and things around here, and I was just telling him, that, you know, I, I really felt, based on last week, that the elder board was really at peace, that there's a sense of unity on the elder board. And then I said to him, I said, you know, you know, if the church were fighting, and the elder board were fighting, and we weren't getting along, I said, no, there's only one person to blame. This guy, <laughs> okay? This guy. Let me just, the principle's the same with our homes. Men, you are the leaders of your home. And if your home life is chaos... In your home life, you hate it, and you want to work more and more and more. Guess what? There's only one person to blame. You can't blame your work. You can't blame your wife. You can't blame your kids. There's only one person to blame. It's you. As a father, as a husband, you are the leader of your home. And if your world and your home is in complete and total chaos, guess what? That means you're probably not loving your family well. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, do not be embittered towards them. But then Paul keeps going, man. He, he, he's just honest to everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Calvary Bible Church. I'm not normally this blunt, but uh, anyways, it's just the text. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter to them. But then he goes to children. It's the Greek word techno. To children, be obedient. And all the parents in the room say, amen, man. I've got the best amen of all morning. Okay. Verse 20. Children, 
This word children gives the idea of, it doesn't specifically talk about a particular age, but it's a child that still lives in the home or is under parental guidance, okay? Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-being to the Lord. Again, here, you notice the command first, and then you have the rationale. Be obedient to your parents, and then the rationale for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise. Um, Can I just speak? I'm just going to have a moment in the room with children and especially with teenagers in the room. I won't look at any of you teenagers. So, um, Out of all the people in the world that want to see you happy and successful, it is your parents. I think when I was a kid, you know, I didn't understand that very simple paradigm. You know, when I went to Walmart with my dad, I was so embarrassed. Anybody else track with me on that? I mean, I would walk 10 feet in front of the, the grocery cart just so that I wouldn't be associated with him. But I'm sure everybody knew what was up and people were like, that kid is weird, okay? Out of, out of all of the people in this planet that want to see you happy and successful, it is your parents. They always have your back. They always want what's best for you. So we should listen to them and be obedient to them. You know, when I was 18, 17, 16 years old, I thought my parents didn't know a thing. Anyone else tracking with me on that? And then I realized about 25, man, they, they, you know, they, they're pretty smart. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just the way it's wired. Let me just, since I'm not any of your parents in the room, just listen to your parents. They always want, your, they always want what's best. And the rationale for obeying your parents is for it is well-pleasing to the Lord. Parenting has four different stages. Number one, it has infancy, then childhood, adolescence, and then adulthood. A parent's role in infancy is a caregiver. A parent's role in childhood is a coach. A parent's role in adolescence is a consultant. And a parent's role in adulthood is a confidant. Children obey, but also let me give a little note to parents in the room. You have to parent your children differently as they grow up. You track with me on that? You don't parent a 45-year-old the way you parent a 10-year-old. How many of you have ever known a parent that still parents their 45-year-old like a 10-year-old? Okay, that's called dysfunctional, okay? Um, You have to evolve. Your parenting has to evolve. Because otherwise, you'll do verse 21. To children, be obedient. And then to fathers. I I can say to parents, but as fathers, as leaders of our home, I would say to be wise. And notice what he says. If we don't parent our children well, if we don't evolve with them over time, like for example, Bryn, she doesn't want to swing herself in the swing. And I say, listen, you're old enough to, even though I'm out there still. Anyways, moving on. We'll talk about my parenting woes. Okay. Verse 20, fathers, again, person of address, do not exasperate your children. How many parents in the room love to annoy their kids? Okay, that's me. So that they will not lose heart. Again, you have the command and then the rationale, really the, the, the result. Do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. The word exasperate, the KJV says provoke. You can say annoy or de- degrade or pull down or insult or not good enough. That's kind of the idea that we have. Do not be overly harsh to your children so they will not grow discouraged. I came up with, or I found 
a list of ten different ways that parents exasperate their children so that they lose heart. Number one, parents can exasperate their children by being overprotective, especially to a 45-year-old, okay? Number two, parents exasperate their children by showing favoritism. Number three, parents exasperate their children by depreciating their worth. Number four, parents exasperate their children by setting unrealistic goals. Number five, parents exasperate their children by failing to show affection. Can I just say something to fathers in the room? This is off script. Please tell your children and your wives that you love them. Please tell them, show them, show them that you care for them. Number six, some parents exasperate their children by not providing for their needs. Number seven, parents exasperate their children by a lack of standards. That is the opposite of overprotection. That is what we would call permissive parenting. Number eight, parents exasperate their children by criticism. Number nine, parents exasperate their children by neglect. And can I just say something real quick? We live in the world of smartphones, and I'm learning this one. Sometimes we're there physical form but we're not there mentally or emotionally for our children and instead we're on our phones you track with me young parents in the room that's a form of neglect as well number 10 parents exasperate their children by excessive discipline fathers particularly encourage your children prop them up I know that you want to see your children happy and successful. And I, there is a room, there's room to push your children to succeed. But if you're going to push your children to succeed, make sure that they know that you love and that you care for them. Because otherwise, what's going to happen? Do not exasperate your children so they will not lose heart. How many of you have ever known an adult child that just kind of gave up on life because they said, I can never just please my dad? It's kind of the idea, guys. So let us not exasperate our children. Let's show affection and love. Please, dads and moms. Moms are typically better at it than we are. Show your children love. To fathers, be wise to employees. And he talks about slaves in verse 21. But kind of the, the cultural cynicism. Anyways. Uh, a cultural same thing, that's what I'm trying to say, is would be employees. To employees be loyal. To employees be loyal. Verse 22. Slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So here again you have the same pattern. Obey your masters on earth. And, and then notice if you have your text, he has the how-to not with external service, but with sincerity of heart. And then the rationale is because we fear the Lord. Now, we really don't have slavery in our culture. So the, basically the closest we can get to this particular thing is just employment in our American culture. And I, what I found interesting is as I was researching this text and as I was thinking about it, I realized that really the same principle in verse 22 is applicable today and really is timeless. What is the principle as a whole? It is to be loyal. Not with external service. As for the Lord, in other words, what? Be loyal, work hard, and have a good attitude. 
Work hard and have a good attitude. It's kind of the, the memo that I'm catching from Paul. Have a good attitude. Don't just show external preference or service. But truly, from the deepest part of your heart, work hard because you fear the Lord. Okay, but mm, how many of you have ever managed anybody before? Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, how many of you have ever managed somebody that has a bad attitude with a capital A? Okay, all right. What's that like? <laughs> okay, do you want to promote that person? Do you want to give them raises? I'm just going to say something real quick. I have, the, and I mean this very seriously, I have the world's best staff here at Calvary Bible Church. I have very little managerial issues. Thank you, James. Um, I mean, I have, a, I have a great staff here at Calvary, but... You know, I've managed people in other parts of America, in corporate America in particular, at, uh, I'll just say, a rental car company, um, so I don't get sued. Um, and I had all sorts of people, employees, working there, because the average tenure was about six months there, and I made it three years. It's a miracle. That, but that is where all my hair went. It was left in the parking lot of that rental car company. Um, and I, I had this one particular employee, and I won't, let's just call her Candace. Okay, let's just pick a name out of the sky. And Candace had an attitude with a capital A. All caps, attitude. And um, as a manager of this particular rental car company, I asked Candace to do her job. Woo, amazing, okay. Um, and I just said, hey, Candace, here's a, here's a car key. And, you know, Enterprises, Pick Enterprise will pick you up if you know that. And people would always call and say, Pick Enterprise, you deliver? I'm like, no. Just remember the slogan, Pick Enterprise, we'll pick you up. So I said to Candace, I took the car key out, and I gave it to Candace. And I said, Candace, I need you to go pick up a customer at Landers McClarty Chevrolet. And she did one of these numbers. <laughs> Tongue out and everything. Um, true or false? Your job is better if you have a good attitude. True or false, your job is better if you listen and follow your boss. You know, you live in America. And if you don't like your job, guess what you get to do? You get to go find another one. Amen? Hallelujah. Man, if you're an engineer in this room, congratulations. You've got a lifetime of jobs out there that you can find. Okay. But as long as we work for our boss, as long as we work for that particular institution, what should we be? We should not just serve with external appearance, but with sincerity because we fear the Lord. So to employees, be loyal, and to bosses, be fair. To bosses, be fair. Skip down to chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, again, I kind of take this as bosses or leaders of businesses. Grant to your slaves what? Justice and fairness. Why? Knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So the command here is to grant to your slave justice and fairness. Why? Knowing that there is a master looking down at you. So if you're a boss in the room, be fair and be just. If you manage people, be fair and be just. Be just. What does that mean? Hold your employees to a standard. Tell them the standard. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I need you to do. Right? You hold them to a particular standard because it's impossible to be just if no one knows what they're supposed to do or where they're supposed to go or what the standard even is. And I wonder what my employees would say around here. Okay, <laughs> Don't go talk to them after the service. Okay, But that's just the way it is, to be just. And think about it's impossible to be just as a boss without a clear standard. 
That's how we know a judge is just, because they abide by the law. So as a boss, if you manage people, tell them what you want them to do. People aren't mind readers. But then also be fair. Masters, grant to your slaves, and your employees aren't your slaves, by the way, justice and fairness. The word fairness means equal, equality. In other words, what? Treat people the same. Reward as their work deems it, and to communicate the standards, and treat people with honesty and equality. Allow me to summarize. Wives be devoted, husbands be loving, children be obedient, fathers be wise, employees be loyal, and bosses be fair. But then Paul, at the end of chapter 3, then kind of takes a step back. He gets in a hot air balloon and he rises up to 30,000 feet and he looks at the whole landscape of all of our relationships. If one of these six don't apply to you, then this one does. It applies to every single person that has ever lived. To everyone, be mindful of the Lord. Be mindful of the Lord in all seasons and times. This is what he says in verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or deed, no matter what you're doing in life, Small or big, at work, in your home, in your marriage, as a parent, do your work heartily. It means from the soul. As for the Lord, rather than from men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive. As for the Lord, reason. But then notice what we will receive. If we do right, if we, do, if we work heartily for the Lord, the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve, for he does, who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done and that without partiality. What is he saying? That whatever you do, do it for the Lord. Because if you do it well and you do it right and you do it for the Lord, you receive more of an inheritance. If you do it wrong, there are consequences. Um, I'm just going to say something before we get to the so what. Um, if we live according to this section in the book of Colossians as a whole, if we think on that and not this, if we set aside the old and burn it and kill it, if we put on the new self, and then if we live the new self in our homes, then what does the scripture say? That we will have an inheritance or we will have consequence. Um, can I just say something real quick? We are way too focused on this world. We work for this world, we save our money, we buy our cars, we save for retirement, you know, we put money aside, we work for our jobs, and oftentimes we have no thought to the Lord in heaven that we are aliens in this world, that our true home is in heaven. That Let's just be honest, that's what really matters. So many times, guys, we focus so much on our jobs, so much on how much to save and how much to do and what should, and we have no thought to what the Lord even wants in our lives. Might you track with me on that? Let us be mindful that we work here for that there. That that is our priority. So to put it together, living the new self at home be devoted, be loving, be obedient, be wise, be loyal, be fair, and be mindful. So the question I would like to wrap up with is this one. So what? How does this apply to our life? So what I want you to do today, and you have, if you have your notes, it's on the back of the notes sheet. And by the way, if you miss one of my blanks, there's a little key on the back of the notes. Um, but I want you to look at all six different relationships that Paul talks about in our homes. And one of the reasons why in our homes is that masters and slaves were in their homes. 
But what I want you to do is pick all of the ones that relate to your life. Pick all six. So husbands, wives, children, fathers, bosses, and employees. Pick all of those that apply to your life. And then what I want you to do this week, and and this is not an exercise in um, how far you fall short. It's not the point of this. The point of this is just so that we can have an honest conversation with the Lord. Take all the ones that apply to your life and then answer the question. So as a husband, it tells me to be loving. So then what's the question I must ask? How can I be more loving to my wife? How can I be more loving to my children? How am I, in a sense, neglecting them emotionally? How can I show them affection and love? How can I love? And then how can I not be bitter and harsh towards her? If you're a father, be wise. How can you be a better father? How can you lead your family spiritually and emotionally? Do you exhaust your children with standards that they can never meet? Bosses, if you... Employ people. Be fair. The question is, am I fair? Do I make my desires and standards known? Because it's impossible to be just without it, friends. As a wife, are you devoted? Do you follow your husband? Do you respect him? Is there something your husband has asked you and that you refuse to do? Probably it's because that your husband is probably being an egghead, as I've already said. And pray about a way that you can communicate that to them. To employees, be loyal. Do you follow your boss with a good attitude? Do we talk bad about our boss in the break room or to other people in the community? That's not having a good attitude. And then children, be obedient. Do you obey your parents? Do you struggle with obeying them? Of course you do. You're probably a teenager. That's called normal, okay? Um, But do you listen to them? Do we respect our, husband, our, our, our mother and fathers? Do we honor them? And then to everyone, are we mindful of the Lord, that our inheritance for right is there and the consequences for wrong? How can we daily remember all that the Lord has done for us? How can we live for him? The question that Paul answers today, the question is, how do we live out the new self in our homes? Be devoted, loving, obedient, wise, loyal, fair, and be mindful of the Lord. Before I close, um, allow me just to share real briefly. By the way, thank you for being here this morning. Um, If you do not know Christ Jesus as Lord of your life, if you do not have a relationship with him, he has come and he died to pay for your sin in full, to restore you back to God, to reconcile you to himself. That we as human beings are meant to have a relationship with God. But since the Garden of Eden, since the beginning of time, that that relationship has been broken and severed because of the choices that we made then and that we make today and every day. But God sent forth his son to pay for our sin in full so that our certificate of debt will be taken out of the way so that we can be before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach and enter into a relationship with the Lord. If you do not have a relationship with God, it says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, then you shall be saved. If you've never taken a moment in time to do that, I would encourage you to do it during the prayer or after. Pray with me. Father, this morning, I thank you for your word. Uh, it's, it's not really politically correct. It's not really easy to digest, but it's honest. And, it's, and Paul's just blunt. 
And he's trying to help us out how to live a good life in our homes. And Lord, I pray that we would. That as, as husbands and fathers, that we would not be eggheads. That we would be um, men that love our wives. Not out of a sense of trying to get something out of them or making ourselves feel better. But because we love them and that we care for them. And Lord, pray, may we as husbands communicate that. And Lord, be with our children and our employees and our bosses and all the people that we have in our life, all the real intimate relationships you've given us on this planet. Lord, may we be mindful that you are the Lord and that that is our home there, not our home here. And all we do should be to give you glory and praise and honor. And I thank you for this church. I thank you um, for just the diversity of ages and experiences, how we can come together. And Lord, thank you for their generosity and the love that they show you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen.